It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Good morning, Dr. History. How are you? It is a good morning. Beautiful day out there. The crops are looking good. Nice day. America is green. America is growing. And you're going to talk about America today. Yes, I am. Um... Normally we do this before the 4th of July, but uh, for some reason or another, we're doing it after. So I hope uh, hope we can get through this okay. Absolutely. You know, to preface this, every year for about the last four or five years, you have got on this program, and we've talked about the value of America and really what Independence Day means. And so whether we do it before or after, it doesn't make any difference. The spirit is still there. Yes. Well, you know, as a student of history as you are, I find time after time the hand of God in preserving and protecting this great nation. Uh, The British set fire to the White House and Capitol, which was stopped by a sudden rainstorm. They did it again a second night and again another rainstorm. Stopped it. And several times during during the American Revolution, the British had the opportunity, they had the upper hand to defeat the American forces, but for some reason did not. And I think I know why, but anyway, our founding fathers referred to the hand of deity in the writing of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And, you know, we've talked about this. There's those around us that would have us remove the words under God from our Pledge of Allegiance. And there are those who would have us change our national anthem because it's too hard to sing. But, uh, you know, and we're going to talk about this, knowing the story of how the song came to be written Mm -hmm. by Francis Scott Key. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe it embodies the spirit of this great country, the bravery and the courage of our military. And I know there are listeners out there who have lost loved ones in the wars and listeners who, you know, some may have been there. And at this time, I'm especially more grateful for those who personally sacrificed sons, daughters, uh, husbands, fathers. So, you know, you mentioned about the changing of the national anthem. Let me just take 30 seconds and say over my dead body. You know what? I will do all I can to protect our national anthem as it is. I, I agree. I agree. And, you know. Because of what they did, that gives us the freedom of speech that allows us to talk on this radio show, the freedom that allows you and I to go to the church of our choice, to raise my family. I can travel anywhere across this country. And so, again, I want to say thank you to those great people that have paid the ultimate Absolutely. price. Absolutely. And, and speaking of the price, uh, have you ever wondered what happened to the 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence? You know, uh, I do know some of their histories, but not all of them. Okay. Well, let me just go through these, and, and you'll see what happened to these men. Uh, you know, a few years ago, a friend of mine posed this question. He said, uh, uh, if you were living back there, would you be on the side of the British or on the side of the Americans? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I'd be on the side of the winners, of course. <laughs> and he said, well, now, wait a minute. Let's say you've got a nice 20-acre farm, right. four or five cows, some horses. you got three or four kids. You're doing just fine. Are you going to risk giving that all up to fight? And it had, had me stop and think for a little mm-hmm. bit, you know. So, uh, anyway... Uh, as far as the Declaration of Independence, five signers were captured by the British as traitors and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. 
two lost their sons serving in the Revolutionary Army. Uh, another had two sons captured. Nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds uh, or hardships of the Revolutionary War. They signed and they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. So what kind of men are these guys? Well, 24 were lawyers and jurists. 11 were merchants. And nine were farmers and large plantation owners. So these were educated men. They were wealthy. Uh, but they signed the Declaration of Independence knowing full well that the penalty would be death if they were captured. Uh, Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy planter and trader, saw his ship swept from the seas by the British Navy. He sold his home and properties to pay his debts and died penniless, died in rags. Thomas McKean was so hounded by the British that he was forced to move his family almost constantly. He served in the Congress without pay, and his family was kept in hiding. His possessions were taken from him, and poverty was his reward. Again, Mm. somebody who lost everything. Mm -hmm. Now, vandals or soldiers looted the properties of about six or seven of the other guys, took everything they had. At the Battle of Yorktown, Thomas Nelson Jr. noted that the British General Cornwallis had taken over his home uh, for his headquarters. So uh, he quietly urged George Washington to go ahead and open fire and, on his own home, and his home was destroyed, and Nelson died bankrupt. So Now, Francis Lewis had his home and properties destroyed. The enemy jailed his wife, and she died a few months later. Oh, my goodness. John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside as she was dying. Their 13 children fled for their lives. Mm -hmm. His fields, his gristmill were laid to waste. For more than a year, he lived in forests and caves, returning to his home to find his wife dead and his children gone. Now, isn't that quite a bit like the uh, the story that Mel, um, all of a sudden his last name escapes me, the actor, uh, they had the story about the Revolutionary Mel War. Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson and the losing of his family. Yeah, I can't remember the name of that Some movie. died in a fire, some of his children, and uh, he was absolutely uh, destitute with everything that was taken away. Yeah, and, and others had the same thing happen. Right. But these were the stories and sacrifices of the American Revolution, and these weren't just just wild-eyed ruffians. Uh, they were men of education and money, and uh, but they had they had security, but they still signed. And uh, it makes you wonder, really, what was going through their head? Yeah. As far as the hope and the prayer for a better way to live. Yeah. Wow. Well, anyway, that's just some of the thoughts about some of the uh, the, the men that that I am grateful for that signed the Declaration of Independence. Absolutely. So, now I'm going to talk a little bit about our flag. Okay. okay. Well, this might be a good time this for me to do stop. a commercial. All yeah. right. I want to come back in and talk about Zach and the rest of the folks over at Minicasha Sales. Oh, my goodness sakes, what nice people. All your carpet needs. Now is a great time to plan ahead and think about coming up in the fall with all the family gatherings, of course, and the holidays. Now would be a great time to get that new carpet in. Great quality carpet right there at Minicasha Sales. Along with all the remodeling that you want to do, they've got all the lumber packages for you to choose from. And and don't forget they've got the great western windows. Mm-hmm. Heating and cooling bills can really be lowered because of the fact you put in the western windows. From Minicasha Sales, 1321 East Main in Burley, right across from the airport, bringing you Dr. History. Okay. Uh, You know, no one really knows for sure who designed the first Stars and Stripes or who made it. Now, a few historians think that Betsy Ross made the first one, but... 
You know, until 1912, flags were kind of uh, different arrangements and uh, with the stars and different proportions. But after 1912 is when the flag really started to have a, a standard. So, and actually, 1959 is uh, with President Eisenhower's when it actually totally became what it is today. So, you know, uh, we refer to the flag as Old Glory. And I'm going to tell you why that came about. This famous name was coined by Captain William Driver, a shipmaster of Salem, Massachusetts, in 1831. As he was leaving on one of his many voyages aboard the brig, the Charles Doggett, uh, and actually he was headed out to capture the mutineers of the bounty. You know, the mutiny on the bounty. Yeah, absolutely. So, now some friends presented him with a beautiful flag, 24 stars. Now, as the banner opened in the ocean breeze for the first time, he exclaimed, Old Glory. <laughs> And, uh, That's how it came to fruition. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, now, he retired in 1837, uh, taking his treasured flag from his sea days with him. And by the time the Civil War erupted, most everyone in and around Nashville recognized Captain Driver's old glory. Now, when Tennessee seceded from the Union, rebels were determined to destroy his flag, but repeated searches, uh, they couldn't find it. Uh, then on February 25, 1862, the Union forces captured Nashville and raised the American flag over the Capitol. That was kind of a small flag, not not real impressive. And people started saying, well, uh, where's Captain Driver's flag? Where's Old Glory, if it even still exists? And happy to have soldiers with him this time, Captain Driver went home and ripped the seams out of his bed cover. And as the stitches holding the quilt top started to come apart, there was the 24-starred original Old Glory. He'd really? Hidden, he'd hidden it in a, in a blanket or no a, kidding. a comforter. Yeah. Oh, my. So Captain Driver, he gently gathered up the flag, returned with the soldiers to the Capitol, and though he was 60 years old, the Ohio 6th Regiment cheered as uh, his flag started waving over the Capitol. Mm-mm. Now, we're going to get to the part that always gives me goosebumps a little. Okay. The National Anthem. Yes. So, uh, you know, the War of 1812 uh, was really uh, kind of a second war for independence. Uh, The United States declared war in 1812 for Reasons uh, like uh, trade restrictions brought about by Britain, uh, uh, the impression of American merchant sailors into the Royal Navy. Anyway, this was really kind of a second battle for independence. But So let's go back to about the summer of 1813 for a minute. Fort McHenry. The commander, Major George Armistead, he asked for a flag so big that the British would have no trouble seeing it from a distance. So two officers uh, went to the home of a lady named Mary Pickerskill and commissioned the flag. Mm-hmm. Mary and her 13-year-old daughter, Caroline, worked in an upstairs front bedroom. They used 400 yards of bunting. They cut 15 stars that measured two, po- two feet from point to point, oh my. eight red and seven white stripes, each two feet wide, were cut. So laying out the wow. material on the floor and it was sewn together, it was big, 30 by 42 feet. Wow. Now that's a big flag. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Now, Francis Scott Key was a lawyer from Baltimore. He's the one who wrote our national anthem. And so, uh, let's say, a little history about this might help people to hopefully have a better idea and uh, dedication to our national anthem. Now, the colony, as I said, were engaged in war with England. Both sides had prisoners. The American government went to the British and said, let us negotiate for the release of these prisoners. The British were holding some of these prisoners in boats about a thousand yards offshore. The government said, we want to send a man out to negotiate an exchange of prisoners. Well, this happened to be Francis Scott Key. So on the appointed day, he went out in a rowboat to negotiate with the British officials. They reached a conclusion that men could be exchanged on a one-for-one basis. Well, Francis Scott Key was happy with the success of this negotiation. He went down into the cargo hold of the ship and found a mass of humanity. He told them they were free. They would be released from the filth and the chains that held them. When he went back up on the deck, the admiral came to him and said, Well, we have a slight problem. We will honor our commitment to release these men, but it will merely be academic after tonight. He said, you see that fort over there? Tonight, we're going to remove it from the face of the earth. Look over the water. Scott could see hundreds of boats and ships. The admiral said that is the entire British war fleet. All of the armament and gunpower is going to be called upon to demolish that fort. He said, well, you know, you can't do that. It's full of women and children, and it is really not a military fort. Mm -hmm. The admiral said, well, don't worry. He said, you see that flag way up on that rampart? We've told them if they will lower that flag, the shelling will stop immediately, and we will know that they have surrendered, and you will now be under British rule. Well, Francis Scott went down below and told the men what was going to happen. Key told the men, I'll go back up on deck and shout down what is going on. Well, as twilight began to fall and a haze hung over the ocean, as it does at sunset, suddenly the British war fleet unleashed. The noise was deafening. There was no relief from the sound of the cannon fire. It was impossible to speak or hear. Although it was dark, the sky was suddenly lit. From down below, he could hear the prisoners asking one question. Tell us where the flag is. What have they done with the flag? Is the flag still flying over the rampart? Tell us. One hour, two hours, three hours into the shelling, every time a bomb would explode close to the flag, they could see the flag in that illuminated red glare. And Francis Scott Key would report to the men down below, it's still up, it's not down. The Admiral came and said, your people are insane, what's the matter with them? Don't they understand this is an impossible situation? Francis Scott Key remembered something George Washington had said. What sets the American Christian apart from the rest of the world is that he will die on his feet rather than live on his knees. The admiral said, We have now instructed all the guns to aim at that flag on the rampart. We will take it down. One thing we don't understand, our reconnaissance tells us that that flag has been hit again and again, yet the flag is still flying. We don't understand that. We are now about to bring every gun to bear on the flag for the next three hours. Francis Scott Key said the barrage was unmerciful. All he could hear was the men down below praying for God to keep that flag flying where they had last seen it. Sunrise came. He said there was a heavy mist hanging over the land, but the rampart was tall enough to be seen, and there was the flag. It was in shreds. The flagpole was at a crazy angle, but the flag was still at the top. Francis Scott Key boarded a small boat to go ashore to see what had happened. What he found was that the flag and the flagpole had suffered repetitious direct hits. When the flag went down, the patriots would go over and raise the flag, 
knowing that it was the main British target. When they died, their bodies were removed and others took their place. He penned the song, Oh Say Can You See, by the dawn's early light, what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming, or the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that the flag was still there. Oh say does that star-spangled banner yet fly or the land of the free and the home of the brave. Mm. Zeb, I'd, uh, you know, there's other verses to this, and I would like just to read the last verse. Absolutely. Sometimes we don't, don't hear. All right. Oh, thus be it ever when free men shall stand between their loved homes and the war's desolation. Blessed with victory and peace, may the heaven-rescued land praise the power that has made and preserved us a nation. Then conquer we must when our cause is just, and this be our motto, in God is our trust. Amen. And the star-spangled banner in triumph shall wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. Wow. It does give you goosebumps, doesn't it? You know, I, I think you and I and a lot of others out there, patriotism is, uh, is something that we hold sacred. And when our flag is there to stand and put your hand over your heart, um, I, I don't have a lot of sympathy for people who criticize our national anthem or our Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, it's sacred to me and my relatives that died in the war, in World War II, and uh, others that served in World War I. I had a grandfather in France mm-hmm. at the Battle of the Argonne. Right. So, and I, again, I know a lot of people out there can think back of uh, being touched by their family members that some did not return. You know, every time you tell this story on the 4th of July or near the 4th of July, like I said, it not only gives me goosebumps, but it gives me a sense of pride that how lucky, lucky, lucky we are to live in this great country, the United States of America, and how absolutely stunning it is to read the case histories of these people, what they went through, what they lost never to regain because they believed in one common goal and that was the birth of a nation yeah it's an amazing story and again this country was founded uh, on a belief in god yep and deity and uh so i have a hard time with those that would want to be politically correct and not have the word or reference to deity in Whatever the Ten Commandments on a courthouse lawn, and things like that. I, uh, and that's that's you and I. That's that's our belief. And you know, are we at that juncture where we can really, really listen? to our national anthem and I know that Wheels over at our main studios has uh, a national anthem queued up and ready to go and we've got about two minutes left that'll work out just fine ladies and gentlemen right now the national anthem of the United States of America God bless it and forever let it reign over this country please Wheels at this time if you would please the anthem produced by David Foster will be signed for the hearing impaired by Atlanta's Briar Lake Signing Choir and will be sung by award-winning recording artist Faith Hill.
Ladies and gentlemen, our national anthem, and on behalf of Dr. History and myself, may it always stay our country's anthem. Dr. History, quickly, last thoughts. Just gives me chills to hear that song every time. Absolutely. I love it. Dr. History brought to you by Minicasha Sales at 1321 East Main Street in Burley, right across from the airport, and the number to call, 878, don't you forget this now, 878-2091. Absolutely a stunning program. Thank you so much, Dr. History, and we'll see you next week. You have a good day, Zeb. Thank you. Get everything you need to keep your pets happy and healthy at Menards. Feed your canine companion the best with chicken soup for the soul. Their dog food is made with real quality ingredients. It provides well-balanced nutrition for supporting happy, healthy pets. Explore all our pet products in-store and on Menards.com. And check out more of our great deals going on now at Menards. Save.